How are you, Craig? I just turned 40. Did you really? Oh, my gosh. Yep. I'm 90 days away from 52. Wow. Wow. We got to speak a little louder then, huh? I'll turn my mic up. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody increase your font size. Hey, folks. Thanks very much for tuning in and listening to the ModersInc.com podcast. This is podcast number 15. Today we have Dwayne. How you doing? Got Tony out there on the line. Hello. Got Vic. What's up, folks? Mike, a.k.a. Fluffy, making a nice appearance out here tonight. Hi there. And you got me, Craig Tate, Tech Dead. This is your podcast sponsored by CPU Magazine. For the best in technology reading, go to CPU. How do you guys choose a case that you want to mod? What's the perfect case for you guys to mod? For me, uh, it's actually, uh, it, it depends on what I'm looking to do with that mod. If you've got a certain, certain one in mind. Like you want to do a particular type of mod that uh, you should try and base a case off of that. At least get a good starting base and then work from there. Probably most of us here rather have a, a case that's like more like a blank canvas. You know, maybe not a window and very little features on it. And start from there. But for, yeah, for me, it, it depends. It just, uh, like when I did the uh, radio backpack, you know, Coolmaster just happened to have that kind of perfect case that resembled like a, an ammo box. So it kind of gave it the texture and stuff that it needed, and that was one less thing I had to do, and it, and it made it come out better. Yes, I like to find something that's got at least something to go along with the theme that I'm doing. I like to do theme mods myself. Theme mods rock. That's kind of the, that's that's pretty much how I've always rolled on all mine. Yeah, I think it's a little easier to um, get the ideas flowing and stuff if you have something to kind of base it off of. Uh, it, it makes it a little easier, but definitely, I mean. I think if you, if you get one of these two pre-modded case, it makes modding harder, if that makes any sense. Yeah, sometimes it's Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're, you're, already, you're already kind of limited, limiting what you can do and can't do. Well, I mean, from a, from a modding standpoint, I mean, you, uh, if, you're, if you're going to start off with some, you know, with some big case mod that you're wanting to do, you know, typically you want to start off with the cleanest canvas you can, and that's where you know the Lee and Lees and the the uh, the, the the Silverstones and the you know the, the 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 nice clean lines, solid panels, you know, smooth appearance. Yep, those are those are like nearly perfect and ideal to start with. Yep, absolutely. And then you can build on from there. Because you can right. really make it your own. Yeah, it's, I mean it's a blank canvas. There's there is no architecting to it. They made it nice and clean and straight, and it's up to us to change it. Yep, now, absolutely. with that said, what case do you guys at the moment consider your blank canvas? Mm. Mm. As he ponders and strokes his chin. Mm. Yeah. Uh, no, see, I have. Let's make it harder. Let's say under a hundred dollars. For the first time modder out there, what case would be your blank canvas? Mm. I plead the fifth. Mm. <laughs> well, actually, I've got anything under hundred bucks probably out there now would be probably more like uh, maybe a Z or N- NZXT, uh, yeah. you know, somewhere along those lines where it's just going to be your basic stock mid tower case, and you can pre-mod to boot. Yes, there's going to be a pre-mod to it too. Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be some pre-mod to it, but you can kind of find those still out there. Um, Cooler Master has a lot of, you know, lower level, I'll say not lower level, say entry level, below mm-hmm. 100, um, that are actually, you know, a good starting point with very little pre-mod to it. 
They may have a couple little features here and there, but you can definitely build up upon it from there. Yeah, I've got one of the old original Cooler Master ATCSs out in the garage. It's a full 80 millimeter, you know, uh, case, but I mean, it's, it's clean and yeah. it's straight. And, you know, there, there's, 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 there's a lot of stuff that you can do to it because it is just so, uh, it's, the lines are just so pure. Yep. And, and don't get my comment wrong, Mike. It's not that I, I wouldn't spend under a hundred on a case. I just, there's no hundred dollar case out there that, that I like. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, you know. I mean, uh, for me, I've, it's going to have features in it for me to want to buy it. And regardless, I mean, I, I don't, I don't care if you set a thousand dollar case in front of me. I'll cut it up just as easy as I'll cut up a hundred dollar case. You know, so I, you know, when it comes to that, it doesn't matter. It's, it's going to have the features I want before I'll even look at it. Well, I guess that takes you out of the running for a level ten, right there. <laughs> well, you know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having a level ten just, just to have one, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of sitting in a category of its own, you know? Very much so. You know, I, I look at, like, the Silverstones and, and you know, the Lionlight Calibers, you know, something like that, because you know you've got all the features that you can want, and then right. odd from there. Right. No, I mean, you know, even Thermaltake has the, it's the Element T. It's got kind of um, a larger honeycomb look on the front of it, small window on the side, but the rest of it looks... Fairly blank for what we would we, we would be thinking about doing. It would, right. I think that would be a good starting case because it's, it's black. A lot of people are already into the black color, so they can cut. They can do some modifications to the case itself without having to repaint. Yeah, and then the adding PC seven is a good case too. Now, if you up if you up that price a little bit, you know, like the, the one hundred and fifty range, then I think you open the door for just tons more of cases. Oh, absolutely. Looking like that, you know, the Cooler Master CM690, 692 Advance. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what the price is on it right now, but you know, anything along the the mid range cases, you get you get some of the the benefits that you would in the expensive cases. And you just normally you're going to end up with a steel case, and it's going to have a, a, some limitations, but nothing like what the bottom, you know, the the, the very bottom of the entry, entry level. level have. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. But, yeah, definitely uh, my advice to anybody would be is if you have a certain theme that you're looking to do, see if there's a case out there that might be close to that. And it gives you a yeah. really good base to start off of. And especially if it's going to be your first time, then you have to do less of a modding to do it. Yeah, start right. out little and work your way up. Yeah, Right. And then have fun. That's what it's about. Because it's yours. Yeah. It's yours and nobody else has it in the world. Yeah, and then there, but then anybody who reads any of my reviews will recognize this line. Um, if it ain't got rolled edges, it ain't coming into my house. <laughs> I am not leaving fingertips and and fingernails and chunks of my arm. <laughs> I, I know I know you got to bleed on the mod to make it yours, but I don't I don't like sacrificing digits. <laughs> True. I'll tell you what, I've, I've only I've only found a few cases in my years that, that have been bad enough that made me not want them. But for the most part, that don't even bother me. Well, when you get the size hands that Craig's got, they're like, you know, large that hands. Does, yeah, large that does hands. <laughs> you try and put yeah. them into a mid-sized case, which probably acts more like a glove for him. Yeah, it's uh, it's it. I mean, uh, I was I was reading over one of my reviews uh, last night just to kind of 
get a feel for you know how I used to write and things like that. And uh, one of the things that, well, I mean, I'm not used to write, but you know, I, every time I do a review, I try and make it a little bit more individual each time I write it. So I was reading over something that I wrote for this one particular review and talking about how I how I pick the case up and I stick my arm into it and and roll it around and make sure that no hair comes off my arm <laughs> and, you know, stick my fingers and my arm and my forearm into every little metal seam inside the case and see if I can bleed. And, you know, that's kind of how I look at it. And, you know, if I, if I, if I open up a case and I stick my hand into it and I lift it up and my fingers bleed, there's a problem. Can I make your next case? Can you make it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing friggin' knife edge on every friggin' edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. Just what do we call this old, one? Be a big ball of barbed wire, is what it would be. Yeah. What do we call this one? We call this insurance copay. <laughs> <laughs> Stick your finger in here, Craggy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Call it Saw 6. Tony's Day. <laughs> Are we going to bash Microsoft for releasing their call home update? Yep. The the, the what home update? The call this, home update is what it's listed as. but uh, This is something I've missed. Inform me, please, guys. Microsoft's release to kill the pirated OSs. Okay. So it's a patch that you download through Microsoft updates, yep. and it basically kills pirated versions of Win 7? It doesn't kill them, but it'll handicap them in a way. Oh, it kills it. Okay. Kills it totally. You're supposed to still be able to do everything you did before. Uh huh. For the it's first time. Say, oh really? Then yeah. after that, it's DOA. It tells you when it first comes up. It says, "Hey, this is a this is not a, a legitimate copy. You're on version such and such and such, and you're fine. You do a reboot. That's it. <laughs> you can log in, sure. and the only, the only option it gives you is like, you need to activate this. <laughs> and if you go, and if you go, uh, cancel, it takes you right back to the login screen. And the next nice. screen goes, you need to activate this. They have a right, don't they? No. Oh, of course. Why no. Don't they nope, I don't think so. Why? I think it's an invasion of your privacy. How is it an invasion of your privacy? Because it's going in as an update making you, your computer, call home without your knowledge. That's not actually calling home. It just sees that it's not a legit copy and disables well, it. Well, no, that's, that's just it. It's got to do that. Okay. Well, my my question would be is are they telling you in advance that's what this update is going yes, to do? Yes, they've already told you that. And oh really? Yeah. When you, yeah. When you go to get the update, you can actually read the description and it tells you that that it's going to. In so many words, it's, it tells you that it's going to hey, fuck up your copy if you're not legit. I just but, don't think anything that requires you to check in with them is right. But I think it should be that. It should come up and tell you that because it doesn't tell you that if you have it on automatic update. If it makes it possible for them to circumvent your firewall and get your... They're, they're not circumventing your firewall. You went to their website to download their update. And you gave them permission by saying, yes, exactly. I, want, I want to allow automatic updates. Yeah, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. They're forcing you to do it. No. They're forcing you to let allow them to do it. No, I've That's got... circumventing your firewall. By force. No, you can yeah. opt. You can opt out of it. Yeah, oh, yeah, you can opt out of it, but they're going to just wait. That's just the first step. Facebook is like the same way. Are. You have. To, they automatically opt you into. Everybody in on the world can see what you're doing now. You have to opt out of it. 
Right. Yeah. That's the big thing that they're doing now, as everybody's up in arms about, because they keep changing it all the time. And the latest one was that. You are now opt-in that everybody can see what you're doing. But it's the same thing with the Win 7. I mean, they give you the option there is unclick, and you will no longer get update. Right. You no longer get any of the updates. You still got access to them. You just don't get them automatically. Well, you can turn that one off and hide it forever so it don't ever come back. Yeah. But what I'm getting at, call it circumvent, call it whatever you want to call it, okay? But if you allow them to connect to your computer, to read the ID string, your COS number, all that junk off your hard drive, they can see everything in your computer. They can see that. They can see everything. They can do that just by you going to Windows Update and checking for updates. Yeah, yeah, because it scans your computer to find out what you're ready to get with, right? I understand that. But what I'm saying is it's just another step on the ladder. It's it's almost like his junk is going on in the government right now. What's your take, Craig? Well, that's my fault anyway. I don't I have like a, it. Let's just put it that way. I just don't like it. I don't like the fact that they feel like they have to force their product to phone home, if you will, and enable or disable functionality out of it. But I don't really see another way that they can enforce legitimate copies. You know, if if you leave if you leave a if you leave a set group of people alone who don't have legitimate copies, there's not going to be any compelling reason for them to pay you the money for the product that they're using that they have effectively stolen from you. Right. So I mean, there has to be a compelling reason for a person to pay for something that they haven't paid for yet, and this is Microsoft's exercise in in doing that. On the same lines, did you guys hear about? Um, what is it? Assassin's Creed 2? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just going to say that. Yeah, where you have yeah. to stay connected all the time. Yeah, you can't you can't play it when you're not online. I mean, it has to authenticate. Its DRM has to be licensed and activated through their licensing server. Now, did you hear what happened to their licensing server? Uh huh. It crashed. It crashed. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, everybody who's wanting to play their game because you know they want to play the game, they can't play the game. Why can they not play the game? Because some central repository of information that has been made the central key of functionality for this particular application stopped working at no fault of the end user. So what I'm worried about here is the flip side. What if Microsoft does something like this, where they do this this whole online-enabled thing, and their authentication method crashes? What's that going to do to... 90% of the PCs and computers running in the world that need to authenticate against that. It's going to render them useless. So you have that that's why I'm saying it has that there has to be a compelling reason to make a person want to pay for the product that they haven't paid for yet. But you have to be careful how you set up the authentication method. If you make it too draconian, then you end up standing the chance of really leaving your cheese hanging in the wind. But if you don't do enough to enforce and protect your intellectual property, People steal from you, so it's a it's a hard line to walk. Let's say it's, it's, I'm not saying that I don't understand why uh-huh. they're coming up doing this. I'm just saying I don't like the way they're doing it. You don't like the execution method, right? I, you, you know, anytime you somebody tries to force something down my throat, mm-hmm. I, I fight and I struggle. So, do you guys think that this is possibly a precursor for the end of 
hard distributable media. Well, I think, think so. You're getting close to that now. Yeah, it's maybe, getting there. Maybe no more DVDs. Everything will be on the cloud or through Steam or, you yep. know, yeah. if you want yeah, to buy it. Another wrong of the ladder. Well, I mean, just okay. I mean, here, here, here's two points to to wrap up what you're talking about. Uh, Google was talking about with their Google OS. They were talking about initially making their Google OS online enabled. So, in other words, there was no operating system really on the machine. It was running actually off of a cloud. Okay, that freaked me out. What happens if your internet connection goes? There's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of ramifications to that that whole scenario right there. But the other part of it was what the Xbox 360 did. They had that HD optical drive, that external HD optical drive. And instead of saying, all right, well, HD lost, we're going to go ahead and put out a Blu-ray player, they said, no, we're not going to put out another you know, high-definition optical player. And everybody initially was just shocked. They're like, you know, how, can you, how can you think that? I mean, because HD's not going anywhere. And M- Microsoft said, it's online. And what are they doing? you got Netflix streaming HD movies straight to the 360 over the broadband internet connection. Yep. And they're selling games online that you download to your hard drive and you play them. Yep. And they're getting ready to, from what I understand, they're getting ready to release a patch that's going to allow the 360s to uh, slave a, uh, I think it's up to 16 or 32 gig USB storage device. Right. Off of one of the USB ports. You know, so that people can download more stuff. I mean, with with broadband doing nothing but getting faster. And it's you know it's it's fingering out and it's prolifer it, the, the proliferation is getting a lot a lot thicker across the United States or across the world for that matter. I mean it's it's going to go medialess. We're going to be going so fast that we're going to be able to stream these programs to our machines without worrying about you know did my media oh my media has a scratch in it where's that disc I got to put that in the drive you're not going to have to worry about that anymore. And well, that'll it, certainly take care of their intellectual property problem. Exactly. Exactly, because where do you where do you download most of your games from or your content now? Most a lot of people are just downloading it mm-hmm. from from Steam and it's loaded up. <clears throat> you do get that option. Do you want to play online or offline? All they got to do yeah. is eliminate that that option. Yeah, but see, Gabe Newell's pretty smart. Gabe Newell's pretty smart. He puts himself out there several times. I mean, he just made uh, I think this last week he made some statements. <laughs> Excuse me. That's all right. He made some statements against DRM that were pretty impressive about how much he cannot stand it, you know. And so I don't. I, I he he markets you know Steam as a distribution method that other uh, software houses use, you know, and they 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 gain benefit from you know Steam as much as he does. And then he comes out and he rails against DRM, you know. So that kind of makes people feel like okay, you know, Steam seems pretty safe. As opposed to EA, which is all DRM late lace. I mean, my son's spore game. Okay, his spore game takes uh, and, and it's a he's running on a, a dual core, I think two gig uh, Windows Vista machine. I mean, it's it's no slouch. He's running uh, dual seventy eight hundreds. I mean, it's it's not a slouch of a machine, but it takes spore probably about a minute and a half to boot. From the time he double clicks on it to the time the game actually comes up, because it's passing so much stuff over that EA channel. Yeah, I, I watch his network connection whenever he double clicks, and it just it just lights up. <laughs> gotta talk, gotta chat, gotta talk, gotta chat. Need these updates? Are you legitimate? You know, oh, 
you know, is your login and are you enabled? You know, it's like, oh, good lord, there's got to be a better way to do this. Especially for old dogs like me, I I like having the disc. I like going to the store. Mm-hmm. I'm at Best Buy the afternoon the mm-hmm. game comes out, picking up the package. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have ever, except for some downloadable content, you know, map packs or whatever, I've never purchased any game online as far yeah, as a th- download version. Yeah. Well, you know why? My CD wallet's pretty thick. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we're we're in that age group where we like to have the tangible stuff in our hands. Uh-huh. I'm spending 45 bucks or $49 for a game. What am I getting? I want to, I'm like you, Fluff. I want to have, I want to have the box. I want to have the manual that comes with it. I want to have a CD. I want to have it right here. If I download yep. it from Steam, I got what? Bits and bytes. Yeah. And it feels like, like you really haven't gotten anything. Right. But then. Now, it, I, on, on the flip side though, I will give Steam their props. If you, if you log on with your account to somebody else's computer, probably anywhere in the world, if you're willing to sit there, it will download your games. Oh, yeah. Where, where you don't need to bring the DVD and install the game or whatever. It'll do it for you. It remembers everything. Oh, yeah. And, and the same thing, though. Look at it this way. Why can't they drop the price? Exactly. If yeah, they're going to start paid. doing this, why, and they're not wasting all this money on media they're having to make. And they're not having to pay for retail shelf space or distribution right. methods or anything like that. Well, okay, there was a really interesting article, a really interesting article that kind of goes along with what you're talking about right there, X, um, that talked about the number of hands in the pie when it comes to trying to get a physical game on the shelf and how badly it cuts into the developer's profit margins, really badly. Now, I've noticed on a lot of games uh, that they will discount on Steam a lot deeper than they will on retails. You know, I can pick up a game for 39 bucks or 29 bucks on a weekend special sometimes on Steam that I can't find for anything less than 49 you know, out on the retail shelf. Now, if they're selling a if it's selling at $49 on the retail shelf and they're selling it at 49 on Steam, the the developer is probably going to be getting a larger chunk of my money back, which in if I if I want if I want to follow that route, I'm going to say, "Okay, I'll buy my game on Steam so that the developer gets a larger chunk of my money back because I'm not gaining anything by either purchasing it, you know, locally with a physical disc versus virtually over Steam." It's a price watch. It, it, it's just a wash. But I'm not, I'm not having to pay sales tax, and I'm getting my game now without ever having to leave my house. So I'm paying for convenience, and I'm paying to make sure that the majority of my money goes to the developer whenever you're dealing with a virtual distribution method. Should it be less expensive? Yes. But if you have a group of people that is used to paying X amount of dollars for a product, and you're trying to gain more profit for your company, and people aren't complaining about the price of it on the retail shelf, you can charge that as a starting point and then discount from there. Yeah, and then, I mean, you also got to take into consideration what, what's it costing them to host that game online to download. Okay, that's with games. 
I'm talking about not just games. We're talking about, you know, uh, Microsoft Office, Microsoft. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Windows. I mean, the, the prices of that stuff's got to come down. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. There should be some kind of discount for, like you said, if you're not getting a physical product you can hold in your hand, there should be a discount. Yeah. You know, I won't choke on a game near as much as I will, you know, $300 Microsoft Ultra, you know, whatever. Yeah. All right, so the i9s, what little bit there is to talk about then, because really they're not, haven't released a whole lot on them. Just from what I've read, you know, that the first ones, which were originally going to be i9s, and then they backtracked and said, no, they're going to be called Hexacore. Um, and the first two that come out are going to be the i7, 970, and 980X, okay. 980X, I guess for extreme. I'm not sure. But yeah. They're talking like a thousand dollars just for the nine seventy, and then you know the extremes gonna be more than that. Well, the i seven nine seventy five, which I have right here next to me in my hot little hands, it's the extreme edition quad core processor, and that was the i seven nine seventy five. And so I think the extreme edition hex core processor is a nine eighty five, and it's unlocked. They listed it as a nine eighty. I don't know. Oh, really? Okay. Now they may have a nine eighty five, but I mean the one that I read on while ago was a nine eighty. Mm. 980X is what they call it. I well, just out of curiosity, the 975, Craig. What's what's the value running on it now? The quad. Nine, 969, 99. Yeah. Okay, so a Hexacore 970 over a grand. Well, I mean, when they release them, you you can pretty much guarantee that the prices on there, everything that's already on there is going to drop a little. Right. Right. So you're still going to be looking at close to a thousand bucks. Yeah, the 975 was a thousand bucks. Prior to the release of the 980, it was because I checked on I checked on the price of uh, of Extreme Edition processors just about a week before the LAN event, so they were they were still sitting pretty high. And then the 980 came out, the 975 dropped about 100 to 150 bucks, and now the the 980 is the the grand to 1200 dollar processor depending on where you purchase it from. Yeah. Wow. Do you really need that? You know, send that to me, Craig. I was just you know what? Who's gonna send it to me? Well, you got. I mean, this the the extreme edition processor. <laughs> oh, you got. You guys are gonna like this. Okay, the extreme edition processor, the nine seventy five is three point three three gigahertz. Three point three three. That i seven nine twenty that I got from uh, from that ASUS competition. Mm-hmm. I pushed that to three four easy. Three seven on air. Yeah. My 920 has been on 3.8 since the day I got it, and that's been almost yeah. what, a year, Taz. Yeah, yeah, I've been sitting on 3.875 on there. Yeah, so I mean, it's 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 blissfully easy to get extreme edition, you know, processor performance out of something that's a fraction of the price. Right. I mean, it's you, you don't. I mean, the only thing you're paying for on the extreme edition is the unlocked multipliers. And the fact that the uh, the CPU cores are in the top four percent of the bend core quality—that's what the extreme editions are. Apparently, they have a bit more, uh, bit more stringent. They're 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 basically cherry picking from their bends, right? On and, the on the cores. It's supposed to be totally like unlocked. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. I told the guy when I picked up, when they handed me the processor, I looked at the guy from Intel and said, did y'all get this from Newegg? And he kind of looked at me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he said, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he just kind of shook his head. I said, like, you know, I just want to make sure. I mean, do I need to open this thing up and see if there's going to be a bar of soap and a rock in it? You know, <laughs> make sure everything's spelled correctly on it. Yeah, exactly. Yep, you're right. It's the i7-980X. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. And they're talking about the hexacord, the nine, you know, being somewhat like fifty percent faster. Well, it's got a uh, it's got a turbo boost. It'll take it up to uh, three point six. So, like, whenever you're under a CPU-intensive app, like a game or something like that, the cores are apparently smart enough to know, okay, you need some more, you need some more oomph going through here, so it'll bump itself up. It'll dynamically overclock itself. Yeah, but, I mean, all the i7s are doing that now. i5. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And it's nothing new. It's just that they didn't turbo boost. Yeah. But, well, marketing terminology. Our Fermi's coming <laughs> soon. So we're all going to get one. <laughs> yeah, it's in the mail, right? With that cold I sent you. Didn't you get well, it? I got that cold, man. Yeah, well, there should have been a little coupon in there for the Fermi for you. Hmm. Did, did everybody see the pictures where they uh, showed that it's going to be a much shorter card than the uh, fifty-eight seventy? No. You got a link yeah. for that? Link it. Uh, I can find it real quick. What else have you guys heard about the Fermis? I mean, are they uh, are they more power efficient or are they hotter? Or I'm sure they're going to be some sort of you know performance difference. I'm sure the Delta is going to be a lot better. But you know what what are you guys reading about this stuff? Some articles I've posted on the Modders Inc. Yes, here's a here's a link. How do I send this to you guys? Just put it down there in the little chat box at the bottom of Skype. Oh, okay. There's a link. All right. Going there now. That's uh, 480 next to a 5970. That looks like about the standard length for NVIDIA. Yeah. 200 series, doesn't it? It does to me. Might be. Well, yeah, that 5970 is probably about another inch and a half, about an inch and a half longer, it looks like. Yeah, but I mean, typical large side cards are what, just about 12 inches, 12 and a half? But no. Looking at their cooling solution. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I've kind of heard is, like, it's supposed to be pretty bad. There's some more details, uh, including some uh, prices at the moment, a few more pictures. Fluffy's already uh, pricing these out and getting your check. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I I play until it doesn't work anymore. Then I start looking. <laughs> I've got two 260s in SLI, and I'm I'm just pleased at the moment. Well, they're saying here what the GTX 470 is supposed to be five to ten percent, ten percent faster than the 5850. Actually, that is kind of a decent price. It's not as bad as I thought there was going to be. You can still look look around and find the 295s pushing over 500. 349 is what I give for this FTW 260 I got. Yeah, but you got a freak of nature is what you got. <laughs> you had to, you had to have bleeding edge. My 260s were 170. He's gotten his cards his 260 over 20,000. And 3D Mark VI. Holy smokes. Yeah, it's a freak. Trace. Oh, I ran my 260 the other day, Vic. Yeah. 15. And 3D Mark VI. Yeah, straight up bone bone stock, stuck it in and ran it. Okay. okay. What, what did you do when she overclocked it? 
I, whatever it was, stock 626. So something definitely is up on your end. <laughs> what are the th- mine? I told you mine. Mine was over you- like 754 or something like that. Yeah, that's oh, that's still a pretty good jump, bud. I run that card. Oh goodness, I worked on it all afternoon, and I benched it probably 10 or 15 times, and I went from 16 and just worked my way up till I got up to the 20,000. And, and once I got there. I said, you know what? I'm gonna try one more, and I tried one more, and I started the 30 mark started artifacting on me. I said, okay, that's just too much overclock. Go back down to the 754 and leave it alone, and that's what I did. And I went back down to the 754 and I pulled 20,000, what, 19 with a 3.5 overclock on my. Dang, I can't remember if that was the I7. Yes, the I7. Maximum board power. All right, there we go. For the 5850, they're talking 151 watts. For the 5870, they're talking 188 watts. Compare that to the Fermis. Yeah, 295 and 225. So you're looking at a significant source of heat. Oh, yeah. That's nothing new for NVIDIA, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the 5850 and the 5870, they're talking, yeah, that's a a much lower thermal profile than what the NVIDIA is going to pump out. You better get some good performance for that. Yeah. Is there any doubt? I have to see. I mean, you know, you know, they haven't put out a new card in four to six months. Yeah. Nvidia. If it runs as good as my 260, I'll be happy. This 260 that I got here seems to outdo the 280. That it was a lot cooler too. Cool. I look forward to seeing what these things can do. I am hopeful. Competition is always good. Now, Nvidia has been out in front for the last couple of years. Yeah. And then they just fell apart this last year. And ATI said, "Oh, score!" And they're they're they they haven't been resting on their laurels. They've been really bringing the heat. No, no, not actually bringing the heat, but you know they've uh, they've really been bringing some really good products out. Yeah, they got 10, 11, 12 DirectX 11, 11 cards already out. Yeah, I mean, they're already for that. And Nvidia doesn't have any until the Fermi, I think, comes out. Right. And then uh, they'll be back in there, and that's going to definitely force ATI to go to the next step. I hope so too. I hope so too. You know, definitely good competition. Like you said, competition yep. creates a uh, better pricing for everybody too. Exactly. Yeah. So innovate. Yeah, innovative technology techniques and manufacturing techniques and better pricing and you know, and, and it forces each company to to push the edge and to keep pushing. Might as well get into Battlefield 2. Well, let me get my notes. Yes, please. Let's hear it. I've been waiting for I, this. I think I was supposed to uh, give you a critique on how Modern Warfare 2 and Battlefield 2 come out. Let me uh, go ahead and give those listening a little bit of information first. Modern Warfare 2 was developed by Infinity Ward and published by Activision. Uh, the release date was November 10th of 2009. This game sold 4.7 million copies in its first 24 hours. Wow. On the 16th of this month, it was officially made the third best-selling game in the United States ever. Behind, of all things, Mario Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Nintendo has that magic. It wasn't, though, without some criticism. The first drama criticism, whatever you want to come up with, 
was Infinity Ward's decision not to have dedicated servers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the online petition got somewhere around six or 700,000 signatures to ask Infinity Ward to get dedicated servers, and I'm assuming that that never will happen. The other thing the criticism was was that the single player for the game was uh, really short. I think I finished it in like four and a half hours. Other drama thing, and I'm sure you guys have heard about this, was the no Russian airport level. Basically, I, I guess I'm not spoiling anything now that the game's been out for several months. There was a part of the single player that, now to give uh, Infinity Ward credit, at the beginning of the level they gave you an option to either play it or not play it and told you on screen that it wouldn't have any impact with the single-player game itself if you chose not to play it. But basically, your your character in the, in the game was supposed to go through a Russian airport and kill as many unarmed civilians as he could. And there was a lot of people had a lot of heartache over that. The other thing with Modern Warfare is the custom classes is... Eh, it's basically the same thing as it's always been for this type of game. And the only news I have on Modern Warfare is the new map pack that has <laughs> just been announced to cure what they call people's mapathy. I hate that name. That's so stupid. Mapathy? Mapathy. Uh. People, are, people are turning away from the game, and uh, Infinity Ward says it's because of mapathy. They're tired of playing the same old maps. The game wasn't released with very many maps. I think six or seven at the most. The uh, They've announced a new map pack. There's going to be five maps, only three of which are new. Two are going to be a remake of the Modern Warfare map, Crash and Creek. And at the moment, the price for the Xbox people, when it comes out, is going to be $15. And, of course, there's a lot of outrage over that, where... Why should I pay five dollars a piece for a new map? Yeah. Where if had if you had let me have dedicated servers, by now people would have made plenty of custom maps. Right. Oh, well, just answered the question, huh? Exactly. I would be buying it. Those of us have actually played at the matchmaking system or party with the air quotes as they call it, can work really well. Or it can be the biggest pain in your butt you've ever had. Amen, brother. Now, on to the segue with Battlefield Bad Company 2. First of all, this game is released at $10 less than Modern Warfare 2. So it's $49, and I've actually seen it as low as $39. So far, it sold $2.3 million in worldwide sale. It has a couple of things that are completely different from Modern Warfare 2. First and foremost, there are dedicated servers. Yay! Yay! Yay. And the server capacity is maxed at 32 players. Yay! Yay. <laughs> and for a lot of people that are new to this kind of thing, or they, they think that they might like to try this, Battlefield Bad Company 2 has vehicles, and it has a lot of vehicles. ATVs to main battle tanks to Bradley fighting vehicles to jet skis to bass boats with 50 calibers mounted on the rear. Oh, that's funny. Redneck fishing. Apache helicopters, Blackhawk helicopters, where you can take almost the entire team plus two minigun gunners across the map. 
It has everything. And the second really exciting thing about it is it has something that uh, developer EA calls Destruction 2.0. Oh. And for those of you with good video cards or decent video cards, you're going to be excited about this. Destruction 2.0 means almost everything in the game can be destroyed. You can't get that guy out of the building, well, you simply blow the building up. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard like about that. that, actually. It is amazing. And for people who like to, you know, if you've got people that like to camp and basically put themselves in an indefensible place, like in Modern Warfare 2, you can get into some bunkers and cover the only door, and as long as you and your team cover the door, basically you're never going to be at, out of there. You're just right. there. Dug in like a tick. There you go. With Bad Company 2, enough tank shells, enough 40-millimeter grenade shells, enough of anything else will actually bring the building down around you. Oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah. Does the does the building stay down for the entire round, or does it get respawned the building, and rebuilt? No, the building stays down for the entire map. Until it's nice. over, that building is gone. That's uh, great. So basically, every time you can play the same map, but the same map could be different each time you play it. it it's absolutely different every time you play it. Ah, uh, uh, nice. Depends on the other thing that's kind of cool about it. Uh, of course, for Battlefield people, this probably is, isn't new, but for me it's new, that if you spot an enemy, you can actually hold a key down, whichever you map it to be, and... For a brief period of time, that enemy or that vehicle has a red icon above their head. That's seen by anybody within visual range of that enemy, and they also show up on the min map, much like a uh, UAV in Modern Warfare 2. It doesn't last very long, but it allows your teammates or someone else to know, hey, there's a tank coming up the road, uh, there's three guys over there on that hill, and the cool thing about it is if somebody actually takes one of them people out, you actually get credit or partial credit for that kill. Mm. Well, that's cool. Nice. Yep. So nice. that's that's pretty sweet. The classes are completely different than they are in Modern Warfare 2. The custom classes in Modern Warfare 2 basically allow you to pick any of the weapons you want at any time to be whatever class you want to be. The classes in Bad Company 2, there's four of them. There's Assault, Recon, Engineer, and Medic. And experience points in each one of these unlocks items that are specific to those classes, and then you have items that all the classes can use. They come up with some really inventive things. They have a thing called a Tracer Dart, which looks like a uh, Ruger 22 pistol, kind of. I've seen this, yes. It ends up acting like a homing beacon. It does. It it comes in like a homing beacon, and anybody that's piloting the UAV with the Hellfire missiles, or maybe there's an Apache flying overhead, suddenly that tank lights up like Christmas, and everything they fire at it just basically comes right down on top of it. They have four game types at the moment in Battlefield Bad Company 2. They have Rush, Conquest, Squad Rush, which is a four versus four, and then Squad Deathmatch, which is... Team deathmatch, but there's four different teams. <laughs> so unlike Modern Warfare 2, where you have team deathmatch, where you have team A against team B, in Bad Company 2, you have four different teams running around in the same map. And oh in the my. and in the squad deathmatch maps, there's always one piece of armor 
that anybody has access to. So you can imagine that it's a whole bunch of fun to beat everybody to the Bradley fighting vehicle and then come up over a hill and there's 13 guys standing around shooting at each other and you just unload <laughs> into them. <laughs> so Fluffy, now, as, as somebody who has played both games, you have. Yes. Which one have you enjoyed more? Well, let's see. I'm going to have to say Bad Company 2. Really? The uh, Yeah, the Modern Warfare is a really fast-paced game, and it seems to be, for the most part, all about the kills. As opposed to that, I'm sure anybody that's played it will agree, there's been plenty of times that you spawn, and within a few seconds, you're dead. Oh, yeah. Bad Company 2, there's no instant death in, in the game, it appears. Uh, on several of the sites out there, they have a... Uh, stat that'll let you know what your average time in game is before you die. Bad Company 2 seems to be taking a lot of the Modern Warfare 2 players to it. Yeah, no, I've been waiting to see, actually talk to somebody about uh, Bad Company 2, because I was going to buy it, and then uh, I wanted to hear somebody really talk about it, and it definitely sounds like it's going to be my next purchase, maybe, this, is, week, maybe is this weekend. It is a load of fun, a load of fun. Well, I'm sold. Yeah. BC2 coming my way. Oh, we, we, we're we just having a great time with it. Now, the other thing I wanted to bring up while we're talking games, I found the coolest website ever, or at least as far as people having uh, questions about games that are out there. You can do a Google search. That's probably the easiest way because I'm not even going to try to read the URL. For can you run it, spaces between each of the words, it's a place called systemrequirementslab.com. And basically, I at the moment, I haven't found any games that they don't support. You go to this website, you select the drop-down menu. In this case, you might try Battlefield Bad Company 2 or something along that line. And you basically just click the big button that says, Can You Run It? It loads a uh, ActiveX Java plug-in that checks your computer and then gives you the minimum requirements for that game and whether your computer passes, and then the recommended requirements for the game and whether your computer passes. Nice. And this was really cool because last night I was on TeamSpeak with a 17-year-old girl that was thinking about getting Battlefield games. She plays Modern Warfare with us. And I was asking her questions that she couldn't even tell me what video card she had or how much RAM she has, or what CPU she's running. And I was getting real frustrated because I was trying to tell her the normal way to find these things out, and she wasn't getting it. And then I remembered this website, and it instantly told her, okay, everything's good except for your RAM and your CPU. Wow. And like I said, it, it doesn't, at the moment, I can't think of any games when I look at it that it doesn't come up with an option for you to do to check on. Even stuff that just recently came out, like Bioshock 2. Well, of course, Bad Company 2 is not even 30 days old, and they already have it on there. Yeah, oh, it's got the B-movie game. I'll have to see if I can play that one. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is awesome. I mean, you know, because I'm sure we've all read the side of the box, and it gives you, this is the minimum requirements, you know, and you look at it, it's like it's a 1 gigahertz processor with 1, you know, mega RAM or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> in other words, the, the menu screen will come up, and that's about it. Right. But... That's all they have to say is that it will run the game. It didn't say how well it would run the game. I've even used this website for relatives that weren't sure 
what they had in their computer is a mm-hmm. quick way of just telling me what they had. If I said, well, what operating system are you using? Is it 32 or 64-bit? They don't know. Okay, well, go to Can You Run It, select any game, and just see see what it says your operating system is. It'll tell me how much RAM you've got. I mean, it, it there's a lot of different applications, not just gaming. It's just I'm sure there's something else out there that's like this, but it's just so simple. It's ridiculously simple. That was great information, Fluffy. Excellent. Good yeah. job, buddy. Thank yeah, very so good. I'm not ignoring you guys. I'm just working a side deal here. Oh, yeah? Uh, I've been been talking about demoting one of my rigs and bringing another one back up and thinking I might uh, be a nice guy. Just not sure how nice. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fine line there, huh? <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 I'm demoting the wife's computer, and I'm going to give her green flame. Oh. Ah. I've got a, a Intel setup that's going to go in it, so I'm going to have an AMD rig sitting here, yeah. and one one of the guys or one of the girls on the team can't play Battlefield Two Bad Company Two, so I'm I'm sitting here chatting with Fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bring me into it! All right. Oh, oh, think uh, you guys are not paying attention. No, I'm paying attention. Fluffy just he was just talking with you too, so. Yeah. Oh, server last night. It was forty-eight zero. Okay, Craig. Did you did you did you guys hear about? Uh, it was over in I think it was over in China. Uh, a a suspected um, cheater playing Counter Strike uh, at a at an internet cafe was apparently bragging about how he was cheating, and some guy got up and stabbed him through the skull with a big blade. <laughs> I'm not lying. Put, Put the blade all the way through the guy's brain. The point actually broke the skin on the other side of the guy's skull, protruding out of his skull. The guy lived. No. I'm serious. I posted that article, uh, I think it was either Monday or, I think it was Monday. I posted it on Modders Inc. as far I I I couldn't believe it. And the, uh, the link actually has pictures. Yeah. Oh. How did I miss that? Dude. Not for the faint of heart. But. No, not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. But, I mean, it was... <laughs> that's one way to deal with cheaters. <laughs> well, everybody, that about wraps it up for podcast number 15 for the ModersInc.com CPU Magazine podcast this evening. Thank you very much for listening. Look us up on Facebook using Modders Inc., Twitter, Modders Inc., or you can send all emails to podcast at ModersInc.com. Check out Modders, Inc. for the latest on modding, hardware, and more. Hey, Vic, why don't you take us out? Modding. Ain't it cool? <laughs>